0: This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by our patrons. Support the show over at patreon.com slash thetomeshow. the Tome Book Club for August of 2021. The Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley.
1: And I'm Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-ish related book. Spoilers be damned in full book club style, and our book this time around is Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi.
0: And with us, as always, is Eric Pequette. Hello, poor! Hello. the next episode, which we'll record towards the end of October, hopefully, uh, we'll be reading Good Omens, which is great, right before Halloween, Mm. by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Or if our
1: timing is like it was this time, this is our August episode that we're recording, what is today, September 1st, 2nd? Um, September. It could be right after Halloween, (laughs) who knows?
0: Also appropriate.
1: Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Uh, So before we get started, I want to say thank you to all of our patrons that help us pay the bills. Uh, You can help out, too, by joining at patreon.com slash show and offering as little as a dollar a month. You can join such illustrious patrons as Doug Palmer, Gene Crane, Hyperlexic, James D'Alessio, Jester David, Jill Sanders, Leonard Pelche, Michael Harrison... Andrew Avery, Carl Anderson, Derek Heath, Frank Williams, Jeff Matthews, Catherine Cower-Banks, and others. And that list is is getting long, and that's a good thing. I enjoy, uh, a lot of those are new patrons, and some of those are patrons at, at a higher rate that, that get mentioned at least once a month, I try. So, let's talk about this book, Children of Virtue and Vengeance, by Tomi Ariyemi who I discovered does not have a Twitter account because I tried to tag the author in posts. Um, this is the second book in the, was it the, was it called the Orisha series? Is that right? Like the
2: blood of Orisha. or Blood Arusha? of Orisha.
1: So we read the first book a while ago. Um, it was, it was getting sort of rave reviews and getting a lot of attention. And we decided, hey, we should check this out too. And we did. And and it presented a, a different take than your traditional fantasy in that it wasn't Eurocentric. It was Afrocentric uh, in its approach to, to looking at fantasy. The first book was about a young girl who, wh- along with her friends and sometimes enemy... Um, Went through a long process of bringing magic back to the kingdom. Right, magic had been sort of wiped out by decree of the the throne, um, and and it was just sort of all stamped out, and there was no magic really in in the world, or at least in the kingdom anymore. Um, at the end of the first book, magic comes back, and so this book is. Largely, I guess, dealing with the, the aftermath of that, right? The, the first book very easily could have been a standalone book, one and done. Um, but this book is like, yeah, but just because we brought magic back doesn't mean the story's over. How does that all come together? How What happens to the kingdom now? What happens to the people now that magic is back? Um, well, not yeah. just
2: the people, but also the fact that he killed all the king. That was, you know, tiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the first book, so there's, well, there's killed,
1: killed off the king, and I think we thought also killed off the the prince who was next in line for the throne. Yes, although it turned out that was not the case. Right, as we discover in this book, the prince survived um, when when um, Amari, who is is the princess, right, the the next in in line after her brother Inan, um, basically shows up in the capital, makes a declaration that that she's taking the throne and ending the war against the, the magi, the magic users of the world, and it's all going to be peace and unity and, and good times and rainbows and kittens from now on, uh, at which point her mother shows up, um, starts wreaking havoc and, and slaughtering people with, with all kinds of powerful magic as she drains the life force out of her soldiers to do to power that magic um and then later on after mom chased off her daughter the princess uh we discover that Anon, the prince actually survived and it has been is now being put on the throne as the new king
0: yeah and i think there's a bit more there in terms of in the first book what we found out was so the particularly the royalty had been anti-magic users For various reasons, there's this ongoing struggle between people, like largely the the royal royal folks and the magi or the magic users that ended up with this slaughter that happened um, back uh, when Xaeli was little, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it's this ongoing feud, or more to the point, nobody in living memory has ever had peace, like true peace, it feels like. Um, and so but it then turns out that a bunch of the uh, folks that helped protect the royalty and some of the royalty themselves were had magic use in their veins as well, because mm-hmm. that is, was the big thing from Anon uh, from the first book. But the hard part is this book really requires you, I think, to have at least a bit more knowledge from that first book than we've often seen in second books and trilogies.
1: Yeah, no, I, I it took me. I mean, it took me probably four or five chapters into this book before I even remembered the broad strokes of like who these characters were and what I'm supposed to know. Oh, Anand's the prince. Oh yeah, and he he was kind of outcast and hiding because from his own family because he had magic. And oh yeah, uh, Amari was the, was his sister who had run away at the beginning of the first. Like it took me it took me a good while to even remember who the characters were, and I was still re-remembering things from the first book, you know, right. well, well into the second book as they made reference to it. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's a thing, I suppose. I completely forgot about that because it's been so long since we read the first book.
0: Right, because I think it's I think the first few chapters, because it's been about a month or so since I, I've i listened to it, um, focused on Xaeli and the loss of her father. Yes, Baba. Baba, yeah. Uh, and he died in part because the the ritual she tried to do went awry mm. um, and it, it created this weird situation when magic came back, how it came back and everything. Mm.
1: Yeah. I guess I still don't remember that. <laughs> so, I, I knew she was, she was sort of um, despondent over the loss of her father for a good chunk. And, and it comes up throughout the book. Um Yeah. But yeah, no. And well, and they, they spend so that happened when where mom comes back and and turns out she's got access to this like blood magic thing where she drains the life of other people and the power very powerful magics um which is it's weird the and maybe this is something i'm not exactly remembering between the first book and the second maybe somebody else remembers but the royal family has access to a type of magic. Um, and yet hates magic users and has gone to war with their own people to destroy all magic users.
2: From what I recall, one of the reasons why they were against magic users is because the beforehand, they remember a the time where the magic users were ruling and were causing trouble. And thus, there was... It revolved from what well, I recall, I could be mistaken with another series too, but uh, and that's what caused a shift for anti-magic. There was still magic there, but they were all like really reducing power. And the ritual that, Mer- that uh, Zilly did at the end of the first book released all of that. And I
0: think part—I think part of it too is—I uh, remember from the first book reading. Um, Uh, explanations and i think it's even at the end of the 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 first book uh, talking about why the book was written and a large part of it was really Mm -hmm. trying to deal with um particularly the experience of uh, black people in the u.s and the ongoing oppression and struggles that they've had and that sort of police state Mm -hmm. that has has come down onto them so i think that's one of the layers where I really like the story and I do like that it's tackling that sort of like, how do you go forward when you've had that history? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: But it's a little hard at points to then see it as its own history and story that's Mm -hmm. separated out from that. Like it's a, to me, it's a really, it felt like a really good exploration of how do you, like, again, how do you move forward? Um, but it made the most sense to me and felt strongest when I was just using that as a way of exploring that idea.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Cause I'd actually, I, I remember there was like an appendix or whatever in the, in the first book or an essay or something at the end, sort of describing that inspiration. Um, I had forgotten about that. And so I was taking in this book at face value, so to speak. Um, as sort of its own setting and what have you and there are there are places where it it feels strange that like you're anti-magic except for the magic you use but if you're doing it as an allegory for for systemic oppression then then there's a degree to where that makes some sense right oppressors allow themselves to to do things that they don't allow the oppressed to do so to, so to speak you know right um, although it's a different kind of magic right the the magi they almost have, like, schools of magic. There are different sort of bloodlines with specialties, you know. There's the burners that are good with fire and the the, the titers that are good with water stuff and, and that kind of stuff, right? Whereas the the royal family and the the, the guards, I guess, that they employ, the soldiers that they employ, um, have this sort of other kind of magic that doesn't necessarily fit into any of those categories. Am I... Am I Understanding that correctly.
0: Well, and I think part of it was that this idea that the reason why the queen was so powerful is she had actually had somehow combined two different types of magic. Oh, I know. Or I know, cause at the end they were trying to figure a way that they could combine two people who had different types to, to create right. like this super um, powerful yeah question. I mean that's
1: that's a big theme for the second half of the book in terms of how the magi are gonna win is that they they figure out that if they connect them e- to each other that they can combine right. their magics and and it's you know ultra powerful or whatever but it has the downside of somebody has to be sacrificed or all the people that are connected will die
0: right. And I guess in my mind, I kind of connected that to being what the queen was also doing because she was just killing people left and right. To be honest, I suppose,
1: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense because she was she was drawing on their life force and and killing her own guards or whatever to use their magic to do all kinds of crazy, powerful things. So yeah, no, I hadn't I hadn't picked up on that, but I bet that is what's going on. I think you're right.
0: And there was also like we we got revelations about that big massacre that had led to. The outlawing of the Magi, and I can't remember the, the details anymore. Other than uh, her nephew felt very betrayed because mm-hmm. I guess his, his parents didn't necessarily even have to die, right. uh, and and wanted to then seek revenge against.
1: Well, and it was it was um, like the the official story was always that they blamed the Magi, specifically a group of burners, for attacking the king and killing a bunch of people, including. Um, I forget his name, but the the nephew's parents. um, And he was scarred or something in the process and and what have you, right? Um, And then it was discovered by Anon, the the prince now king, um, that in fact it was his mother that sort of manipulated and set things up so that that would happen because she wanted to continue the war against the Magi. She wanted to win, not compromise and unify with. Right. So the, the real hatred for the Magi that kept everything going at that point was the mom. Now, it although it's worth notice, – I, I noticed as, as I read it um, that each of our main characters kind of played that role at different points in the story. Every single character – like there was a moment when they could have resolved things peacefully Ooh. and one of the characters was angry and not – listening to what was going on or not trusting people or whatever and screwed it up and and made sure that the violence continued like over and over and over again, you are reminded these are, are very young people who are, um, you know, like sometimes I read a book and I'm like, man, I just why can't people just be remotely competent and, and and have the wisdom of experience or whatever and then I remember because they don't have the wisdom of experience right they're they're i mean they were like teenagers or whatever when this all started um yeah so it makes sense that that they get caught up in things and they they make poor decisions or whatever uh, and they always and the timing is such that one of them is always making a poor decision just at the right moment to screw everything up
0: and I, and I think that's why I, uh, at the beginning, I, I wanted to be able to point out that they had never lived with good role models right. completely, right? Like there has been this ongoing it, and one side has definitely had more authoritative power mm-hmm. uh, for for a, a long time, at least in, in terms of everyone living in the book, uh, but the, they have not had the best of role models in terms of how to actually function as a society together.
1: Mm. Yeah, no. And the, t- the timing, maybe it's because it's been so long since I've read the first book, but the timing confused me a little bit because we talked about how the, the people, the young people that are, you know, uh, coming up and, and running things and whatever now um, have never had, uh, an example to to draw on of what yeah. peace could look like in the kingdom right where where the the Magi are not being oppressed or whatever but at the same time there was a moment when zele had some there was this like peaceful moment and she was like reminded uh, mentioned about how it it felt like it reminded me of when my mother used to use magic. And and that confused me because if she's never had an like if magic has been gone since for her whole life, then when has mom ever used magic? I I forget how that worked or what the timing was.
0: Uh, Oh, sorry.
2: Go ahead, Eric. Yeah. Well, like I said, from what I recall, there was some instances of magic in the previous world, but it was Mm -hmm. was restrained. The ritual in the first book was to release magic upon the world. Okay. So it was always and the magi were treated as second classes that servants and stuff like that. Okay. So you remember Amari had in the first book, Amari had a a servant yeah. that was a and her, that caused her to run away because she got in, she got in trouble and that right. started
1: her path. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I'm remembering that. So even though magic was gone, it wasn't completely gone. It was just sort of tamped down and oppressed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the release goes, and now we're so. So that's why, possibly, that situation right now, where mm-hmm. by releasing the magic upon the world, as, as in the book, it also engages. That's why the queen and the, the guards now have that magic.
1: Okay. And that makes some that clear. That helps me make some sense of some other things, like the 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 nephew slash cousin Anand's cousin. Yeah. Uh, it is revealed towards the end of the book that he uh, is actually a Magi this whole time and has the kind of what is it? What are they called? Like the welders or whatever that have the power to like manipulate metal. Um, and and he seemed quite accomplished at that. Um. <laughs> For somebody who has been hiding his magic and has only theoretically had it for you know at this point what a few months a year maybe since magic came back but if he's possibly had it his whole life and has just been sort of hiding it there may have been more opportunity for him to practice it and learn how to use it so um, I have all kinds of I have other things I want to talk about but we should we should talk about where the the book goes so after the the sort of announcement of Amari taking over the throne is disrupted by the queen. Um, they basically run off and to hide and end up in the ruins of an old Magi temple where they find, um, a character who I assume from the way they were greeted, we met in the first book. And then I forgot about an old lady who remembered magic or whatever. Um, who had been gathering up all the Magi, the new Magi, there at these temples. And they were training and practicing and learning and also organizing, like, the resistance to the modern
2: The first book, she was a resistance leader. The first book,
1: that helped out then to get where to go to release the Magi. Okay. Is this the same temple they went to when they got the Sunstone? No, that's the one they went to later when they were going after the scrolls. That was a thing. Um, they, she, they mentioned so they they hook up with the resistance of, of magi who are practicing, and there's there's lots. There continues to be lots of drama between Amari wanting to seek out a peaceful solution with her now. They realize a Al- alive brother Anan who's the king, um, and Zayli insisting there's no way you can trust anything he says. He's betrayed us at at every important moment. He he's only trustworthy when it's easy for him to be, but as soon as it's not, he betrays us. Um. Uh, and, and at one point and there's a handful of conflicts here and there and then at one point they decide we need more power uh, we need more magic and there's this other temple which is where Zele got the sunstone that allowed for the ritual that released magic um, where she's like oh I saw a whole bunch of scrolls there where we can learn more magic and so they're going to break in the, or they're going to go back to this temple it turns out to be a break in because um the kingdom has found out that they're going to be there and they've they've laid guards and, and Anon's there with the mom and the soldiers there and whatever. Um, so they just sort of end up breaking in, grabbing as many scrolls as they can and, and getting out while confronting Anon along the way. Uh, and then they learn a whole bunch of new magic. And uh, they they we do a training montage for a while while we continue to have um, conflicts back and forth with between the the, char- the main characters. Uh, the, the one character that seems above, the, of the four sort of main characters, the one character that seems above it all is the o- also the only one that doesn't get a, a point of view ever in the story, and that's Zane. Um, he, he's pretty consistent, right? <laughs> but he's also a non-Magi and sort of defaults to the others. Amari and Zele both become elders um, within the, the Magi, and of course Anon's the king.
0: Well, and it's interesting to talk about how Amari becomes an elder because there's this whole thing where in order, there's only one elder for each type of magic, right? Mm-hmm. And tip, typically, so the way uh, Azalea, it gets there is the person steps aside that had been the elder for that type of magic and says, well, of course you're going to be our elder now, right? right. But um, when Amari um, Amari doesn't have a seat, people are distrustful of her uh, but she feels that she should be leading them because they are her people too and so she challenges the other well, one in it, which it's-,
1: it, it's not just that she feels like they're her people too it's because she wants to seek a peaceful solution she wants to try to work out a deal with Anon and nobody will listen to her and so she's right. like she's like if I am one of the elders they'll have to listen
0: yes But one way of also looking at it is she feels she has a right to be there and to have her voice of peace heard because she sees herself as, uh, had Anon not appeared, had her mom not done that thing, she would already be the leader of everyone. Right. Um, And so she does that challenge, uh, which, and, and then expects people to just respect her afterwards, even though it's a, it's, it's a challenge where you're actually supposed to potentially go to the death, right? Mm-hmm. Or at least severe maiming. Uh, and it, it went there. Right. Uh, and then is suddenly like, well, of course, now you're going to listen to me because now I have authority and power. Mm-hmm. And it didn't go well.
1: No, yeah. <laughs> it, it turned out just because you're an elder doesn't mean anybody listens or respects you, right? Um <laughs> Yeah, and 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 yeah, and, and people were kind of actually afraid of her at that point because she won, but she basically won by putting the other person in a coma because she completely lost control of her magic. And what's more, the way she defeated her opponent was she used an incantation that Zele taught her, but Zele taught her the incantation on the promise that she would never use it against the Magi. And of course, the first time she uses it is against the Magi. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, they both become elders, but at the same time, like we talk about how no, but just cause she was an elder, nobody would pay attention to Amari. Um, but everybody paid a lot of attention to, to Zele. Um, but that, as we approach the sort of the end game of the story actually starts to switch. Zele sort of becomes despondent, um, uh, are, oh, there was a there was an attack, and her second um, is killed, and she becomes un, unreachable. Sort of, she she decides this isn't worth it. It's time to leave. We should just leave the Orisha. We should leave the the kingdom and go somewhere else, and that'll also end this whole thing, uh, and a lot fewer people have to die, right? Uh, and the rest of the Magi are not hearing that. And at that point, Amari is like, oh. Cause it all happened because she arranged to meet with her brother to try to broker some sort of peace, and his mom followed with the army and launched an attack that he didn't know about. But Amari's like, Oh, I guess Zele was right, he can't be trusted. The only way to end this is by winning. Um And so they kind of they kind of switched roles. Zele becomes the one that's more passive that nobody listens to, but Amari becomes the more the aggressor that and, and starts planning the attack. And everybody's on board with Amari all of a sudden.
2: Well, because they want
1: they want to win. They want to well, because they also want it. They're all they also want to be aggressive at attack, right? Yeah. So, so but that's like that's what I was saying earlier is that each of them has an opportunity to try to do things and and find a peaceful solution, and at some point, at least one of them is in a position where they're not willing to do what needs to be done to find a peaceful solution. And it is and it, oh, go ahead.
0: I was just gonna say, there's always the bigger question: Is there a peaceful solution?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes, but but it it involves uh, tearing down the the systems of oppression that created the whole situation. Which ultimately, uh, when Anon figured out that his mom was responsible for manipulating the whole war into existence, um, he was on board with that. Like he even he drugged his own mother so she couldn't stop him. Uh, And then went out and made an announcement that that he was disbanding the throne. He was ending the monarchy. Of course, you know, which is him doing things that might have led to a peaceful solution. But at that point, uh, Amari was not going to have it. (laughs) Right. So uh, so it was all going down. down. And Amari at that point got real aggressive. Like she figured out, well, my mother and she believed her brother, although that's largely because. in in dramatic stories people don't talk to each other otherwise they wouldn't be dramatic um she decided my mother is basically going to do whatever it takes i need to be willing to do whatever it takes too and so she works out a sort of secret plan just amongst a few core people from the elders of: we're basically going to to nuke this whole town to death and slaughter everybody because it will also catch the the monarchy my brother and my mother in in the death and we'll be finally done with this whole thing, which of course, when she implements that plan, which at the time she didn't even know that Zele could have possibly been in the middle of it, right? She was willing to sacrifice her, uh, if necessary to end the whole thing. Um, that turned out to be a a line in the sand that turned everybody against her again, right? She spends the rest of the story in shackles um Zayla is upset with her uh and you know Zane who was her love interest is done with her now um all the elders are, are finished that she was willing to sacrifice all those people to to get that done mm-hmm. especially because it wasn't just a town it was Zayle's and Zane's hometown yep. Tracy looks and like she the, wants to say something
0: I was just gonna say and the kicker is
1: that they didn't even get him
0: nope <laughs>
1: All right, uh, the the mother and brother were, or uh, Anon and and the mother, whose name escapes me, uh, were gone uh, when it all went down. Um, But also, in the end, nobody died. Or they did, but they got to come back because um, Zele had done a little practicing in combining her life force, basically, with somebody else, with uh, her new love interest uh rowan the mercenary who's kind of uh, i don't know he's kind of the han solo of the story i think at least that's what he became in my head um but also became her love interest through, through the process which is always weird because she had a previous love interest that wasn't on who's now the king and even when and when they see each other there's still like a will they won't they kind of thing going on right Um, but, but Rowan was dying and she connected her life energy to him to keep him alive, but then they were both dying. And so they just sort of kept connecting other people to this web of, of connected life energies to, to sustain each other. And in the process, those of them who are Magi started combining their magic and they discovered that when her magic, which is, she's a Reaper. So she has like power over death and spirits and that kind of stuff combined with a healer they were able to bring people back from the dead. And, and unlike d uh, there's no spell slots. They just raised every single person in the town who died. Everybody,
0: everybody
1: lives. Or right. comes back. <laughs> everybody lives. Except, of course, eventually, um, we understand that, it, that that connection is going to kill everybody who's connected. Or they have to pick somebody to sacrifice somebody that they're going to kill to keep everybody else alive. Uh, And there was an idea. Xaelia was like, well, maybe Amari's the one. She's she's the one that did all this. She's beyond redemption. Maybe we connect with her and then use her as the sacrifice to keep everybody else alive to end the connection. Um, And Amari was totally on board. And just as Amari was like, yeah, you're right. This is my only path to redemption. I'll totally do it. Zaylai was like, "Well, no, no, no. I haven't made the decision yet. Never mind. No, we're not doing it." You're like, "Is I too much?" Right. I don't agree with this is, yeah, you're you're entirely too agreeable. So, no, the answer is no. Now, <laughs> um, and then they they scaled an assault on on wherever it was. The Anon and, and the mother were were off hold up. Um, I don't remember if it was like the palace or whatever. I think it might have been because I think there was comment of, oh, this is where I killed my father sort of uh, mentions here and there, which actually went really fast. Like there was this initial sort of assault with the army on the outside. And then the next time we caught up with what was going on, they were already inside and separated and fighting their individual fights, right? Amari was taking on her mother, as I recall. Um, Xaeli confronts Inan at the end. Um, he's like, I'm trying to do right, I'm dismantling the monarchy, uh, but if killing me is what it takes, do it, you know? Uh, and then, just as she was about to, um, what is it? Like, some gas fills the room, everything goes white, and then we wake up in the epilogue, and they're all there together in, in prisoners. And that's where the book ends, right? the ship is somewhere. Right. <laughs> so. Which, of course... Is clearly saying, "Come read book three, right?" Yeah. Which I don't—I haven't had a chance to look. I, I literally finished the book today, so I haven't had a chance to look uh, if they—if we know when book three is being released.
0: thought I said something about this year, but I'm not sure.
2: So it's a legacy
1: of Marussia. Legacy of Marussia.
2: So uh, the next book is untitled so far. Okay, a good read. So.
1: Does it have a release date yet?
2: No release date on the Goodreads. So, okay,
1: okay. that's fine.
2: Um,
1: um, I mean, we waited several years in between the first one and this one, so I guess we can wait yeah. again, right? Now, um, it's interesting in in some ways. As I thought about this specifically in terms of the book club, um, I oftentimes think about that that sort of last question about how does this connect to. You know, how, how would this be of interest maybe to, to D&D players, right? Um, and one of the things that, uh, well, first of all, in many ways, this book doesn't translate really well to a D&D campaign, right? Because it's mostly about the drama between these two, you know, these three slash four slash five people, right? Yeah. Um, and the back and forth and, and, what have you, which doesn't necessarily translate really well to d and
2: I think the closest setting that you can get for the dynamics of uh, oppression of people with mm-hmm. magic and with different type of magic and all that would be Dark Sun. Because you have the sorcery sure. kings and the Templars right. who have their own magic and you have the, the preservers and the clerics that are, have their own magic. and So you can... You can sort of, and there's lots of depression in the Dark Sun settings. You could touch some the same themes that you see in this book.
1: Right. It did occur to me as I was reading it, because I was I was reading this and simultaneously preparing to run a Fantasy Age game uh, for my group, mm-hmm. and it occurred to me that Fantasy Age, in many ways, could be an ideal system for running at least the, the, the in many ways, the... The heroes, the magic system would fit really well. I could definitely see sort of arc, what the, what Fantasy Age calls the Arcana that covers you know burners and whatever. And the scrolls are here's an expansion, so now there's more spell options, or you know, and where exhaustion is the magic point system. And and as I go through, like Fantasy Age uh, classically only has three classes: the the warrior, the rogue, and the the mage. Um, and I as I think about every character in the story every single one of them sort of fits into one of those three categories pretty well um i think fantasy age would would, if you wanted to do a an orisha setting fantasy age would do it well Um, Uh, but the one thing as much as the the story the narrative like i think the first book translate would translate decently well into a D&D story, right? You gather a group to get a party together, you go on this mission to bring magic back, you perform a ritual there's lots of conflict along the way uh, and a lot of it's physical conflict and and you know, in the end you you cast the ritual and, and kill the king right? Uh, which actually feels very Dark sun as <laughs> now that I say it um, but this book is a lot of like relationship back and forth, can we trust him? We can't trust him, you know, uh, and, and then they switch sides on, on the thing, yeah. we should run away no, we should attack um, Um
2: I've run a, a dark sun campaign mm-hmm. that took place after the first book in Thier when Tyr is freed and all that, and there's all the chaos so there's politics, there's intrigue, and all that. F- when
1: oh, free, free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, uh, I mean, as much as a society can be free that still has slaves, but yes,
2: no, it actually becomes no, no slaves are allowed, right. they, they do become so. a no slave.
1: That, not so, that there's not still a press, but yes, I get
2: the point. <laughs> yeah. so, and they brought in stuff and like other stuff that Calac that, that had brought in the past that had set up as plans and all that. So you can do it in Dark Sun. But based on this book about civil, basically a civil war that that is conflict between the nobility and the, the people and stuff like that. Because there, there's a power vacuum that happens,
1: basically. And, what and, well, and I, could, I could even see in Dark Sun because there are ruins that are remnants of the world before when there was still, you know, plant life and all that. that You could totally see that as being like the temple where the Magi are hiding out. And, yep. Um, yeah, no, I could definitely see that. The yep. one thing that when I really reflected on it, though, that felt a lot like a D&D campaign to me was um, the the power growth of the characters, right? Like. Yep. D and d has a tendency I don't know when I run d and d campaigns, I feel like um, the characters in my campaigns grow in power way faster than than anything in any books I've ever read or uh, and definitely fat way faster than anybody else in the world, right there you're a wizard that may have been studying magic for five hundred and thirty two years. But I've been adventuring for six months, and I'm now able to cast the same spells you are. You know, but like, but like that felt like what was going. Like we have, you know, magic has only been back in the world for months, and now we're flying, and we're learning new spells. We got scrolls, and we're able. Like by the end, we're throwing earthquakes and 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 you know, destroying armies. Um, like the power growth was huge for these people who had never used magic before.
2: Well, you study history you know that in wars progress goes quickly as we try to get new stuff new weapons new things
1: to be able to do stuff but so al- but also lots of experience points because of so many monsters dying
0: well, <laughs> we start putting radioactive paint on our watches and exactly. then... <laughs> But yes.
1: oh yeah no. yeah that I mean, was the one that was the one part of this book that'm like Oh, that's very D and ish. Like th- these all these these folks all ramped up in power really fast, yeah. and that feels like D indie adventures. Yeah, the thing that I
2: that is that you would have to put in a bit to make it feel is because you see, yes, they go the hows, but there's cost that magic. This is not mm. just because in D D, other than you spin a spell slot, there's no actual real big huge cost. There's no oh look we save everyone's life but someone's going to need to be sacrificed. That's well, true. yeah, no,
1: I'm well, yes. That that's why I thought like Fantasy Age doesn't do that obviously, and 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 most of their magic doesn't do that. Like most of their spells, yeah. they can cast, and it you oh, have yeah. to sacrifice. It's only when you combine the spells, but yeah. you could definitely yeah. like take a combine your magic to get a power boost yeah. sort of uh, uh, spell system uh, put that in place. And then have the sacrifice right. sort of requirements or whatever for, as part of it. Uh,
2: for, for the high level powers in cause in Dark Sun there is the tenth level magic. Oh right,
1: which is a, which well, is a there com- was like in second edition, right?
2: Second edition, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is, was a combination of magic and psionics, mm-hmm. but many of those also required lots of sacrifice because mm-hmm. in Dark Sun. There's plant life sacrifice. There's at that time level. There's living life mm. sacrifices.
1: So, I. but, but I could totally yeah. see a, a fantasy age arcana that was like, hey, here are spells that you can only access when you combine two, when you take two people that have access to both of these arcana, yeah. uh, and or then now you can cast resurrection, and you can cast it as many times as you have magic points for, but when you're done, someone's gonna die, All right? You can you can bring fifteen people back to life. But you still have to sacrifice somebody to make that to bring those fifteen people back, right? Which, which is very different than than D anD D, where it's just well, if I can spend the money, get the components, cast the spell, um, then I can bring people back from from the dead. But this idea that we can bring people back from the dead, but there's a sacrifice to it, is interesting to me.
0: And that call back to like older versions of D and D, with the components being more of a like the components themselves were intended to be part of the economy of spells. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, it occurred to me too that because uh, I, when I read the Quick Start, because the RPG is not out yet. In fact, the Kickstarter ends today as we speak. The, uh, the Avatar. Yeah, Avatar Legend. I read a Quick Start, and that can do more of the personal. Character-based story because mm. the, the journey that you see in the Avatar series is has some sort of links with the Orisha tale too,
1: right? <laughs> so. Especially in as much as like the the Avatar series is very much uh, magic, if you will, is very um, elemental-based. And yeah. while the schools of magic uh, in Orisha are not elemental-based, some of them are, right? There's there's definitely, you know, people who are good with fire and water and, and whatever, but then there's also metal and death and healing and whatever, so.
2: Yeah. So, like, from reading a quick start, I could see, and there might be more when the game comes out next year, but that could be an option.
0: Can we just take a moment to acknowledge over nine million
2: dollars, yes, for that Kickstarter. Kickstarter. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: it's. I, I had, um, I wasn't sure about to take a bit of a tangent. I was contemplating backing that and I wasn't sure about backing it. And then, um, I had caught word that Magpie Games, who's doing it, has a history of relationships with a certain, um, Member of the gaming community that perhaps should not be named and is is particularly the the type of member of the community that um, the community doesn't need. I guess is is a way to say it, right? Uh, and so yeah. I, guess, I guess that was my my the, what sealed it for me. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I've got enough games. I literally just backed like three other things. I don't really need to get into this. So. Uh-
2: I backed it because I know some of the creators on it, uh, like Daniel Kwan from Asian represents, mm-hmm. uh, is one of the contributing designers on it, and there's okay. several uh, Asian origin uh, right. mm-hmm. uh, Asian he- heritage folks that are working on this.
1: Mm-hmm. Whole that's that's good that they that they have Asian yeah. representation in the creator base for a story and a setting that is clearly inspired by Asian culture.
2: But yes, there is, again, yeah, right now it's like at 9.5 million. So it's an 81,000 backer. So there's a large community.
1: So, yeah. so Children of Virtue and Vengeance, though, <laughs> is the yeah. topic yeah. of the conversation here. <laughs> no. Any That's other fine. sort of thoughts or connections or, or um, anything else that, you, that anybody wanted to say about this book?
2: Didn't quite feel like there was much really advancement development for the characters. It seemed to where they were at the start and where they were at the end, their, their characters are pretty much the same, mm. I
1: found. I mean, their positions changed, changed. but their I, I could see where you could say their, their development as people yeah. was still pretty much where it was, right? Yeah. They didn't really learn anything in the process. They just sort of changed their minds about things. Yeah. So, we, except, except maybe Anon. One could argue that Anon maybe learned a little something along the way. Yeah. He, he learned that his family was never trustworthy and that maybe we need to give the power to the people. And, and that's a fairly significant. That's more than yeah. just a change in opinion.
2: Yeah. Just... Had trouble expressing that, and.
1: although in fairness, he kind of wanted to do it, to, he kind of wanted to do that at the beginning, too. <laughs> so maybe not, maybe he he can't kind of came full circle. He wanted to unite the people, oh. and then he was manipulated by mom, oh. and things went poorly, and he didn't. And then he kind of came back around to no, yeah. we're gonna do it, and even if it means sacrificing what we know of in this country yeah. and, and moving on. So I'll be curious to see, because as I was reading this book, I'm like, oh, so this is where it's going. This is how it's going to end. And I don't know that a third book is needed, but then obviously it ends on a cliffhanger and it didn't do all of the things I thought. I honestly had thought Anon was going to end up killing his mother, um, Mm -hmm. which he didn't. He poisoned his mother and sort of got her out of the way, but she seemed to get over that poison way faster than he expected. Because um, she popped up not too too long afterwards, um, and then of course they all ended up being captured and taken prisoner by who knows who to going who knows where. Are we going to discover there's some sort of other greater power in the world, and we're going to see what what is out there beyond the kingdom of Orisha, or or maybe.
2: Already being sent to a new place to start here, start anew from
1: fresh, or or the nobles were, were arranged for all of this uh, because they didn't want like the idea of destroying the monarchy. Yeah. Who knows? I guess we'll find out someday when the third yeah. book comes out. <laughs> so, yeah. I, when I, when I, that I, happens, I might have to go back and re-listen to both the first and second book because clearly um, the author is not going to, based on the second book, the author is not going to help me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Remind me and catch me back up.
2: I did find when it's supposed to go, They are saying sometime in 2021, so so sometime so
1: this year. year. Okay. Yeah. Well, we might have to look at it early next year then. Yeah. Because this one,
2: Richard Vincent came out I believe, December of last last year, or so might be the same thing.
1: Okay. All right. Any other sort of. Thoughts or additional things you want to talk about?
0: Not sure. I liked it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I I do see the struggle in trying to bring it into campaigns. Like, outside. Because I do think it could be a cool setup, but you'd have to have a group that wanted to do more of that intrigue and... uh,
1: it's more relationship stuff yeah. than even an intrigue, right? You got to really dig into the role playing.
2: Yeah. In, yeah. In another setting that might work, but I'm not too sure how well Brandes would be the person to speak to, to see if it worked, would be birthright, because those have domains, they have areas with power and all that. So.
0: Yeah, and even I'm thinking too because we didn't talk about Rowan too much. We but, didn't. He ends up turning his back on his crew, right, mm-hmm. in order to help them. Yeah. Uh, and then you're bringing up, like, who knows who kidnapped them, and oh, there yeah. are people yeah. paying those guys. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And, that, and that's going to piss Rowan off something, Fierce. Because, yeah. like, he almost killed the guy that was taking, basically taking over for him and leading the mutiny. Uh, and he's like, "Look, I'm gonna leave you alive, but you gotta go away and leave leave me alone and never come back and if you if you don't, I think he he said literally i I will uh, hang you by your own innards um, yeah because because Rowan has a violent streak when he's not dealing with Zele um, so which which still feels a little bit like the Han solo of the story to me, right? He was he was the scoundrel, you know, connected to gangsters or whatever, who then joins the rebellion and, and and largely does it for a girl.
0: Well it reminds me of Lucan and uh oh god what's her name? The Tiefling. Uh
1: Hablar or uh... Oh oh Farita.
0: Farita yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm I could see that so, yeah. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see where the book goes or oh, oh, the story goes in the, the third book because um, I thought it was all wrapping up with a nice neat bow on it, and it really didn't. It, it did the classic sort of sequel, right? The first story in, in a st- series it could stand alone because they don't know if they're going to get a contract to do more books or more store- movies or whatever it is. The second one very intentionally is left on a cliffhanger. Um and and on kind of a down note because because um, they already know they they're going to get to do a, a third installment. So and and also I think it's also pretty classic for a second story to uh, oftentimes be less well received because the first installment of a story is is you know presenting something unique that you haven't seen it before, and the second one can't do that because it's the same setting, um, yeah. so it's not as unique. Um, and not as novel, and so it has to to stand in different ways.
0: Yeah. I was just really hoping that we'd find a way forward. So maybe, maybe we will in the third book. Find a that's way forward. Type, yeah. Like a peaceful way forward. Uh,
1: or that one side just wins.
0: <laughs> I. I don't know because because again going back to like why what inspired the story to be written it's super Mm. hard to know what would fix it in our world right uh so i'm just looking for and i mean i hope it's not that uh, a non-violent and i I hope it's a non-violent way not a violent way sure i was really hoping the book could have ideas for what that could look like, And I think there's a glimmer of some of them in those resistance groups,
1: well, I think there was a glimmer of in, in I mean, in Anon as well, like Anon is the 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 oppressor who's trying to dismantle the systems of oppression. Right. The, the system's not letting him do it, but he's trying to dismantle the systems of oppression as the leader of that system right. Um,
0: so so I'm really hoping.
1: but of yeah. course, the peop- the oppressed don't trust that he's actually doing it for very good reasons because he has intentionally or not betrayed them many, many times before. <laughs> so
0: Right. And so you got to decide what you want over time. And it's nice to be able to make that decision with a book mm-hmm. and yeah. then try to figure out how to apply it to your own life, even if it's a fiction book. Right,
1: right on. Well, is it time to call this the end of the episode? Sure. Yeah. All right then we will call this the end of the episode. It is time to say goodbye. I want to say thank you to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash Show, and hope that you might consider popping over and joining us.
0: And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can find me, Tracy, at SarahDarkMagic on Twitter. That's Sarah with an H and SarahDarkMagic.com. Find Jeff at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. And find Eric. At Eric uh, Mpak, E R I C M P A Q. The show is at the Tome Show, and you can find us on Facebook, Patreon, Discord, lots of places, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, watch us live as we record on Twitch.tv/TomeShow, or watch the video afterward on the YouTube's on the Tome Show's YouTube channel. Show notes and other great shows are at theTomeShow.com.
1: And that is our thoughts on Children of Virtue and Vengeance. Uh, up next, right, around the end of October, we are going to discuss good omens by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, the book that inspired the Amazon Prime series. Um, i'm I'm sure we could get you know Mr. Gaiman and Pratchett to pop on and talk to us about it too, right? or, 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 or maybe maybe David Tennant will come and, and <laughs> I mean, Pratchett's at the long distance. Yeah, they, these are not <laughs> yeah. people I anticipate being able to, to get interviews with, but you know I've seen I've seen Gaiman uh, be real responsive to fans on on Twitter. Maybe if, if uh, we ask, he'll <laughs> he'll come. On. Probably. All right. So uh, that's the end of this episode. Uh, until we get to Good Omens, uh, then I'm going to tell you to keep turning the page, Tomites.
0: I'm on the wall.